The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Hello, welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Executive Minister, Senior Assistant Minister, and the Director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple, where the Reverend Dr. Derrick B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I'm in the midst of teaching a new series titled The Power of Intention, based upon the book of the same title by Wayne Dyer. I think this is a fantastic book, and I'm going to be teaching it over and over again, even as I sprinkle interviews by other people and sometimes from other subjects throughout the year until I finish the book. It's really important for you to realize that you need this book to follow this series. I'm I'm hitting the highlights, but this book is so full of extra great material that I think it's really important for you to recognize exactly what you're working with. I think this book can be a great tool to help you in your soul growth. Now, chapter two is the seven faces of intention. And I'm only, I'm going to do this in two parts. This episode won't be as long as my normal episodes. I'm going to do this in two parts. The seven faces of intention starts off with a quote from Voltaire. 4,000 volumes of metaphysics will not teach us what the soul is. Now, I think that's really important because what it's saying is there's the letter and then there's the spirit. And we can describe it. We can give metaphors for it. But we really can't say what an intangible thing is by using tangible examples. And I think that's really important because we have to recognize that God is life. And that life is my life and your life now. God's life expresses as us, as a threefold being, spirit, soul, and body. We function on different planes of existence while we function as a whole. And I think that's really important. I am spirit, the divine impulse, the image and likeness of God, the divine expression of the one presence and one power we call God. I am soul. I'm awareness of being, I am consciousness, I'm entire mind, I'm super conscious, conscious mind and subconscious mind, different terms that people use to ex- express and explain soul. I am body, the vehicle through which the spirit and soul express, expresses. So my body is not just my physical form, but my body is also everything that has to do with my physicality. My body is the demonstration of soul of consciousness, of awareness of being. Now, let's get back to it. All right. I'm going right to page 22. And he's giving examples of how intention can show up. 
and I'm not going to get into all these different stories that he taught. What's really important for me is you understanding, um, you know, the basic core message of this chapter. So in page, on page 22, he quotes Carlos Castaneda uh, again when he says, in the power of silence, Carlos Castaneda describes silent knowledge as something that all of us have something that has complete mastery, complete knowledge of everything, but, cannot, but it cannot think, therefore it cannot speak of what it knows. Man has given up silent knowledge for the world of reason. The more he clings to the world of reason, the more ephemeral intent becomes. So what it's basically saying is this, we have a, a silent knowledge, we have an awareness, an intuition that lets us know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. But the more we get into our intellectual thinking, which is not bad, by the way, it has its function, just like intuition has its function. But as we get more away from our spiritual awareness, our spiritual understanding, our intuition, the more we put ourselves in a position to where we're relying only on the facts that our human senses can determine or the interpretations that we make based upon the information that we have. So it's important for us to recognize that. Okay, now, let me get back to the book. Page 23, he wrote, intention is something we can feel, connect with, know, and trust. It's an inner awareness that we experience explicitly feel, and yet the same cannot truly describe with words. So in other words, this power of intention that this book talks about, this divine uh, this divine intention of good, we say it in UFBL this way, the Universal Foundation for Better Living. We believe that it is God's will that every individual on the face of this earth should live a healthy, happy, and prosperous life. And that's because we believe that the essential character of God is absolute good. And if God's character or nature is absolute good, then God's will for us is also absolute good. So when stuff shows up to, in our lives that do not that does not express absolute good, then we're saying, okay, this is the adulterated forms of what I individually or we collectively has created as a society. Because God's will for me is absolute good, health, peace, joy, love, prosperity, right now, right now, is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But you can't always explain this type of understanding with words, because one of the things that's interesting about words is Sometimes it, it might take a 100 words to explain one image in your mind because we think in images. So even as spirit is feeding you, sometimes it's feeding you in imagery. This is why mystics throughout the years, whether you are part of the Judeo-Christian community or other communities, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, so on and so on, Native American, um, Celtic, You'll see um, uh, in many of the uh, uh, African spiritualities, you'll see people who are dealing with visions and dreams, a lot of visions, a lot of dreams, and dreams when they're supposedly in an awakened state, 
and dreams when they go to sleep. Because many times spirit is feeding this power of intention, is feeding us in ways in which we can see it, but then we have to figure out the words to explain it. This is why sometimes the imagery is so way out. You look at a book, for instance, like the book of Revelation in the Bible, which is basically all symbolism that people take literally. Maybe one day, I've done a few shows on the book of Revelation. If you go back through my catalog, but I've never done a series on it. I'm actually considering doing you know, uh, a chapter by chapter on the book of Revelation, but I have to pray about it, pray about it because, you know, my perfectionism will kick in and then, you know, I, I got to be so detailed that it'll take three years to teach it. And I know this to be a fact because I know that uh, uh, my friend, Dr. Rocco Erico, the Aramaic Bible scholar was teaching the book of Revelation once or twice a week for over a year easily. And he was doing two and three hours. And, but it was so much symbolism that's based upon the book of Ezekiel and some other things that if you don't know that background information, you're reading some stuff that you really don't understand because it was the visions and dreams of a mystic trying to explain things in language that we take literally. Mystical language is not literal language, even if you have to use literal language to explain it. Now, back to the book. He goes on to say, Next paragraph. Now, excuse me, skip a paragraph. Silent knowledge starts when you invite the power of intention to play an active part in your life. This is a private and very personal choice that need that needn't be explained or defended. When you make this inner choice, silent knowledge will gradually become a part of your normal everyday awareness. Opening to the power of intention, you begin knowing that conception, birth, and death are all natural aspects of the energy field of creation. Clinging to attempt to think or reason your way to intention is futile. So let me get into a couple of things. First of all, he's saying the more you work with spirit, the more spirit becomes a part of your everyday thinking. The more you work and learn how to trust with your intuition, the more you become aware of it. The more you learn how to move in alignment with the ways of spirit, the more you will get opportunities to do so. And it's a it's an allowing process. It's a permitting process. It's a releasing process. It's a letting go process. It's a getting out of the way process. That's why it's not based upon willpower and reason. Because. When you start to move according to spirit, spirit might say something that uh, a regular intellectual, reasonable person might say, no, that, that's impossible. But then you have Jesus who said, with God, all things are possible. Not some things. With God, all things are possible. Now, the question is, what do I believe is possible as a soul, as a consciousness, as an awareness of being? Because if all things are possible with God, and I don't believe all things are possible, then I can't express all possibility. It's impossible to express all possibility when you don't believe that all things are possible. Now, here's the thing. Do I believe that 
that there are human beings walking on the earth that believe that anything is possible. If they exist, they're very rare. Very rare. Why? Because as H.M. Lee Katie wrote in Lessons in Truth, first chapter, first sentence. Every man believes himself to be in bondage to the flesh and the things of the flesh. All suffering is a result of this belief. So at some level, all human beings have accepted a level of limitation. This is what people like Charles Fillmore and the early New Thought Movement was pushing against. Johnny Coleman was the same way about age and things of that nature. You know, I remember Johnny Coleman used to say, I'm the, I'm the life of God that knows no age. And she would say, if I fool around and talk about my age with you all, with you all, you all have me not be able to get out of my car. And that was her way of saying she had to keep the idea of God's life as in her is no different than God's life in a baby at the forefront of her mind. So she could function and do the things that she needed to do to run her life and this ministry. I'm the life of God that knows no age. Charles Fillmore was was taking it even farther than that, but I'm not here to get into some of his thought processes, but just right down to people having spiritual healings. That's unreasonable. But yet I've experienced it and I've seen other people experience it in great, great ways. I mean, people who've been given six days to live, uh, a, a year or less, six months, whatever, have remarkable, miraculous recoveries that the, you know, the, Doctors would say, you know, this has gone into remission or other things of that nature, but it goes into remission and it just stays in remission where they can't find it on the test. They can't find it in the whatever they do scans. So part of recognizing that uh, New Thought is not asking you to be reasonable. New Thought metaphysics isn't asking you to be reasonable. Spirituality is not asking you to be reasonable. This is why Neville Goddard wrote, man's faith in God is measured by his confidence in himself. Why? Because you're not going to outperform your own consciousness. There's no other way around it. You're not going to outperform your own consciousness. So it's important for you to recognize what you're actually working with and what you're actually dealing with. Uh, then it goes down to where it says by banishing doubt and trusting your intuitive feelings, you clear a space for the power of intention to flow through. Just like I said, it's a letting, it's an allowing, it's a permitting, it's getting in tune, it's getting into alignment with what all ready is, what all ready is that's all i'm saying what already is now it goes on to say this might sound like hocus pocus but i prefer to think of it as emptying my mind and entering the heart of mystery here i set aside rational thoughts and open to the magic and excitement of an illuminating new awareness so people are like, oh, that's just magical thinking and hocus pocus. 
because they can't do it. And when I say they can't do it, meaning they don't have the capacity to do it, but the mind has become so opaque, to so blocked off, so dense to where it can't see the things of spirit that they think that people who move and navigate according to spirit are just functioning according to magical thinking. This is why it's important, and I've often said this, that uh, one of the things that our ministries don't do well is uh, is make sure that we make sure we get the testimonies of the healings. Because when you don't need the surgery and the doctor said you did, when, when the test said you had one thing and now you don't, when the diagnosis and the prognosis was saying that you had a short amount of time to be on this plane of existence and that totally gets flipped and the thing disappears. Those are things that at least have to be addressed. Well, what did you do? Well, I prayed, I meditated, uh, I took a class, I did a sabbatical, I went to a revival and some preacher laid his hands on me or her hands on me. All of these things have happened. And people get results. I meditated for 21 days, an hour a day, and then it just went away. I went for a five-day workshop and immersed myself into a consciousness. And when I came out, the pain wasn't there anymore. This type of stuff happens every day, but we don't like to acknowledge it. So I'm just going to take a quick pause for a moment. And we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm in the midst of teaching chapter two of the book, The Power of Intention. Chapter two is the seven faces of intention. And I'm just giving an overview again. This won't be an exceptionally long show today, but I want to make sure that I lay some foundation for you to work on until the next show. So on page 23, Wayne Dyer quotes J. Krishnamurti, who wrote, to be empty. Completely empty is not a fearsome thing. It is absolutely essential for the mind to be unoccupied, to be empty, unenforced, for then only can it move into unknown depths. Now, I haven't read as much Krishnamurti as I probably should because actually I discovered his writings probably 30 years ago or so because. I'm a big Bruce Lee fan. Anybody that knows me knows I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. And Bruce Lee based a lot of his martial art and life philosophy on Krishnamurti. And he's someone that's, that's 
by the way, I would strongly suggest you, you take a look at what he walked away from <clears throat> because he understood that to really function in truth meant that you have to allow yourself to empty your cup as the Chinese proverb uh, states. For those who haven't heard it, a young man went to a, to a great old master of Zen or Chan Buddhism, as it's called in China. And the master said, this young man said, master, I want to learn everything that you teach. I want to be your disciple. And then he started to explain to the master all the things that he had learned already. And the master was just pouring the tea while the young man was holding the cup. And then the, it overflowed and got on the man's hand and said, master, the cup is overflowing. Stop pouring the tea. And the master said, if you want to drink of my tea, you must first empty your cup. That's the thing. If you want to drink of my tea, you must first empty your cup. That's important. Are you willing to empty your cup? Are you willing to say, Maybe what I thought I knew and understood might need some revision, might need some transformation. Might It might need to be released. I might need to tear it all down and rebuild it back up. And I realized the thought of that could can be intimidating to some people because when you start talking about building up and tearing down states of consciousness, ways of being, uh, habits and things of that nature, it can look like a monumental task, but it's brick by brick, whether you're tearing it down or picking it up, thought by thought, feeling by feeling, belief by belief, word by word, action by action, reaction by reaction. Are you willing to be transformed into something new? Are you willing? to really allow spirit to lead your life. Now, I know people say that they allow spirit to lead their lives, but it sounds good, but it's easier to talk than it is to walk. As I've stated before, one of my spiritual fathers, the Reverend Herbert Lasseter said to me 20 years ago or so, Galen, it's easier to be a presenter of truth than it is to be a practitioner of truth. Are you willing to be a practitioner? Because part of being a practitioner is allowing yourself to be, and I'm going to use a very human term right now, allowing yourself to be coached by God. God's the head coach. You're not just on the court playing the game. Now, imagine a game where there's no coach. That's street ball. If street ball can look good, but it's not as effective as, as playing basketball or any sport, but I'm using basketball because when you say street ball, that's normally what people mean. Playing unorganized street ball is different than playing organized NBA-level basketball. Why? Because organized NBA basketball has a head coach and assistant coaches and a game plan and adjustments 
and they put you in a position to best utilize your talent, skills, and abilities. Many times we're not willing to let God be the coach. We want to do it our way, even when we don't get the results we desire. So part of what I'm trying to get across with this information is to help you recognize that it's beneficial for you to take the time to do that 10-minute meditation in the, in the morning or in the middle of the day or whatever you have the time, and then figure out how to increase it. To sit down and maybe listen to that contemplative music while you're journaling or while you're reading or while you're doing some other spiritual practice. It's okay to sit and visualize your good and just get in tune with the feeling and the fulfillment. And to borrow a word from Reverend Ike, the fulfillment of your of your desire. It's okay to get to a place with the visioning practice where you're saying, Spirit, what is your highest vision for my life concerning whatever it is? Your your career, your job, your money, your relationships, your marriage your health, whatever, and actually consciously and consistently seek this power of intention to guide your life. I'm not talking about guide your life like at funerals when people get up and say, give an honor to God who's the head of my life. Good, God bless you. But how is God the head of your life? Because if God is not leading your life, if God is not the coach, if you're not open and receptive to the wisdom and understanding that God has given you, in your own soul, then how are you giving honor to God? Just a question. I'm not saying you're not. I just want to be clear about what that looks like for you. What does that mean? Because giving honor to God does not just mean live by religious rules. Giving honor to God, from my perspective, let me just be clear. Somebody might have a different opinion. But giving honor to God means that not my will your will be done. Giving honor to God looks like, let me make sure that I don't use the name of the Lord in vain. In other words, the name of the Lord is I am. And when I use I am in a negative downward way, I'm using the Lord's name in vain. So I should be always lifting my I am up. If Reverend Ike says I am is your first name, whatever you put after I am is your last name. If I'm, if I'm, giving honor to God as the head of my life, that I'm listening for the guidance of spirit and I'm acting it out because as scripture says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Giving honor to God can look like when, when I want to go off, but I'm choosing love. I want to, to get into the battle, but spirit is telling me, to stand down and be still and know that I am God. Or not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is the part of the process that I'm talking about. We need to be clear. We need to be clear. What does it mean? This power of intention this power of intention is here for you. In other words, 
we live, move, and have our very being in the presence of God. But in that understanding, that means that we have to get beyond thinking that the totality of us is what we can see in the mirror or what we can detect with our five senses. We precede the body, we transcend the body, and we will live beyond the body because the essence of who you are, the permanent part of you, is spirit. I'm hoping that this landed. I'm going to have to wrap up this show again. Today is going to is a shorter show, but uh, next week we're going to go directly into what are the seven faces of spirit. We're going to go into great detail into that, and that'll be a regular, probably 45 minute or so show. So with that, I'm going to wrap things up. But get the book if you don't have the book. Let's work on this material and just continue for the next week as often as you can remember and say, not my will, your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. Not my will. And then take that into prayer. Take it into meditation and see what is revealed to your mind and heart. So with that, I'll be with you next week with Truth Transform. God bless you. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.